Hey, pole dancer. Welcome to the Evidence-Based Pole Podcast. My name is Rosie Boa. I'm a pole dancer, pole teacher, and personal trainer. And I've started this podcast so that we can learn together, talk with the experts, read the research, and feel better on and off the pole. So if that sounds like something you're interested in doing, let's go. What is evidence-based practice? What does it mean in the poll context? And why do I think it's so important? Uh, not just for me, but for everybody who's working in poll, every teacher, every student, and every professional who works in poll. Um, I actually had a request for the topic for this week's episode from Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Um, and she wanted to know a little bit more about my story and how I got into poll and, you know, the whole the whole journey, uh, which I will definitely tell you about, uh, but I think it's also ties in very closely to this idea of being evidence based and why I think it is important. So let's rewind, get in our time machines and go back to 2012. Uh, so for those of you who have been in pole world for <laughs> uh, as long as I have, uh, you'll remember that that's about when things started to really kick off and get a lot more popular. Um, YouTube uh, poll clips were starting to get really popular. Stuff was being shared on Reddit and like Imgur and around the internet. Um, and that's uh, when I was in grad school. So for those of you who don't know, I actually am a doctor, not that kind of doctor, but I do have a research doctorate and I do have a science background. Um, and I was in graduate school and I was in the middle of burning out and I didn't know that that was what it was. <laughs> didn't figure that out until later. Uh, but I was basically just working all the time. Um, I went to school and I worked and I came home and I worked and then I slept and then I woke up and I went to school and I worked and you can see the pattern there. Um, and I was not thriving as a person. Um, and I, I had this sort of like instincts that I needed more in my life to not destroy myself. Uh, and I'd seen, um, I think the, the gift that really stuck out to me was that one of Janine Butterfly, who's doing uh, an iguana, um, where you hold the pole behind your back, uh, and your back is to the pole. Uh, and it's an inversion, so your hips are above your head. Uh, and she walked down in this position. She did a little air walk down and then back up. Um, and I thought that looked so cool. And I again, I knew I needed to do something and pole was something that intrigued me. Um, and so I got online, got to tippy tapping and searching and found a pole studio. Uh, I started taking classes. Well, signed up for classes. So that's how I originally got into it. Uh, and when I went to my first pole class, I, again, I was doing nothing but working, right? in my life and it had been that way for a very long time um because i had you know when i was an undergraduate i was supporting myself financially so i was working two to three jobs um, and i also knew that i wanted to go to graduate school um so i was also you know doing extra research on the side um, and again i was literally just working all the time and i wasn't super connected to my body i wasn't really doing anything physical um, i had done fencing which my parents had gotten me into under the idea that it would um Fencing with swords, for those of you who are not familiar. Um, under the idea that it would get me a college scholarship because uh, they knew somebody whose kid had gotten scholarship to fencing. Um, that didn't happen. And also, I didn't enjoy it. It was something that I sort of dreaded doing. So my the I just stopped doing it. Um, and that's what I had done and what I had done most recently to be physical. And I had quit, I think, my freshman year of high school. No, of college, rather. Um, 
so yeah, it had been at that point, probably about four years since I'd done literally anything physical, any workout, anything like that. Um, and I went to this pole class and I couldn't do most of the warm up. Uh, I couldn't touch my toes. I couldn't do the sit-ups. I tried, you know, doing the leg work and, um, my, my hip creases, my hip flexors. I didn't know what they were called at that point. Um, were just so painful and I couldn't do it. And I was absolutely winded. Uh, and then we finished the warm up and we got on the poles and I couldn't do anything. Um, I couldn't do a fireman spin. I could walk. That's not true. I could do one thing. I could walk around the pole, which was great. But I couldn't do literally any of the technical curriculum that we learned. Um, and at the end of the, the six week intro series, I still couldn't do any of the technical curriculum that we learned, right? I couldn't take both feet off the ground. I was, um, I'm pretty sure I was the biggest person in that class. I was certainly the least fit person in that class. Um, and I really, really, really struggled. It was so hard for me, um, but it was something that wasn't work, right? It was another place that I could go to and do something else. Um, and I really enjoyed the dance aspect of it. So I really, um, you know, the studio that I was going to, we were really encouraged to freestyle from day one. And I found that to be really freeing and liberating and fun. Uh, and even though I couldn't do the pole stuff pretty much period, it took me, oh, I don't know, a good couple months to be able to take both feet off the ground in a pole spin. Um, well after everyone I started with was already, you know, climbing to the top of the pole. I was just sort of at the bottom, red faced and crying a little bit and just not able to do it. But I was really, really into the dance. So, uh, fast forward, um, I continue to get my, my PhD. I'm doing my research. I'm, um, you know, taking classes, uh, in a bunch of departments. I was, uh, for those of you who have, have done work in academia or, or done research, I was one of those, uh, interdisciplinary people that you get warned about being by your advisor. And, um, it did not help me get an academic job. Let me put it that way. <laughs> so if you're in grad school currently and you're like, I want to add a discipline, uh, my recommendation would be not to do that if your goal is to get an academic job, but if your goal is to just be a well-rounded person who knows a lot of things, go for it, do it. I'll be the, the you know, the devil on your shoulder. Take those classes. Um, which is to say that I had a lot of experience um, sort of peeking my head in the door of scientific disciplines that were next door to the one that I was working in. Uh, and, you know, I'm continuing to do pole. I'm continuing to get better. I finally, you know, learned to climb. Um, and uh, I was really, really enjoying the, the dance aspects, right? So that's really what kept me coming back was the freestyle, was the dance, was the floor work. Um, and once I got to the point where I could starting to do, could start, could be, whew, once I got to the point where I was able to start actually doing stuff on the pole, I got really into that as well. Um, and this is, you know, years have gone by at this point. Um, and I took an aerial class with, uh, Lauren Kale, who, uh, I think two episodes ago, I think episode two was Lauren. Um, and we, we talk a little bit about, about that in, in her episode. Uh, but Lauren is very, very, um, anatomically informed, uh, really, uh, focuses on sort of 
uh, movement and bringing in a bunch of different disciplines to, to bear on it. So um, she's also a personal trainer like I am. She's, you know, um, has that exercise science background um, and has worked a lot with uh, Emily Sherb, the circus doctor, if you know her, who is a, pro, not a personal trainer, the other PT, a physical therapist um, and, and researcher actually, who specializes in uh, aerial artists and circus artists. So people for whom um, normal day-to-day -day function is well outside the range of the normal population, you know, <laughs> ability to be mobile and strong, um, which just like pole dancers, right? Most pole dancers, um, you know, if you've been doing it for a while, your your daily day-to-day -day life function includes pole dance, um, and the demands of pole dance are well outside the demands of day-to-day -day life in, uh, you know, the Western industrialized world. So um, really interesting clinical population to study. Um, and it was at that point when I was working with Lauren and I was, you know, beginning to learn more anatomy, I started taking, um, you know, honestly, just for my information, um, workshops with Emily, uh, Dr. Sherb, um, just to learn more. And I was, you know, studying on my own. And I'd taken, um, in grad school, I'd taken some classes on um, motor learning. Uh, my, my dissertation work was on perceptual learning among other things, like I said, interdisciplinary, right? Um, motor learning, so how you learn to do something new with your body, um, which is a really fascinating field. And I'd love to talk with a motor learning person uh, at some point in the medium near future on the podcast so y'all can, can get a little bit more in-depth knowledge about that. Um, but at this point I was like, hey, you know what? I know for a fact there's all this research being done on movement, on exercise, um, and also that I'm not seeing a lot of that being reflected in the pole classes that I'm taking, right? Um, even just like basic shoulder anatomy understanding, um, right? People would give the, the cue to, you know, squeeze your shoulder blades together when your arm is overhead. Um, not a great cue, I wouldn't recommend it, <laughs> uh, because that prevents your, your scapula from rotating out to the side, uh, which you need to make space for your, you know, your arm bone to move well and not, you know, uh, press against any of the nerves, right? You can do it a little bit sometimes, but if it's your habitual movement pattern, um, you're, you're much more likely to, to irritate your your nerves, basically, um, as well as just not being as strong as you would want to be. And we all want to be stronger, right? So, um, and I was sort of like looking at my professional life on the one hand, and then looking at my, you know, artistic and pole dance life on the other, uh, and then looking at the disciplines around pole dance that had, you know, researchers who are working on them, um, and a lot of papers that were being published. I say a lot, some papers that were being published. This is still, uh, you know, in terms of populations, one that is not super well studied, either pole dancers or aerialists. Um, and I would say that at this point, there's more work on aerialists than pole dancers. And I was like, you know what, there's a disconnect here, right? Folks are not bringing in things that are already in, you know, the human body of knowledge and very accessible if you know where to look um, into their pole instruction. Um, and also around this time, I became a pole instructor at, at a studio. Um, and it was a it was a pretty long training process, but the training process was much more about uh, learning the curriculum of the particular studio and much, much, much less about, you know, foundational biomechanics, um, 
even just, you know, what are the important parts of a warm-up? It was more like, well, here's what we do and you have to memorize these things in these order and not, hey, here's the, the fundamental reasons why you would warm up. Um, and then of course I'm looking over at the aerial stuff that I'm doing and, you know, the, the continuing education courses I'm taking over there. Um, I also took aerial instructor training at that time. And I was like, these don't line up, right? <laughs> Folks in the pole world are saying stuff that, uh, no one has said in in other disciplines for you know years because basically we know better right we have um evidence that uh it's not very helpful in your movement life right um that in terms of anatomy or um you know, exercise science, right? Like things like having rest days. I know a lot of pull studios will offer, um, you know, total unlimited packages where it's like, you can come to every single class. And also we offer class every single day of the week and then students will do that. Um, and they'll overtrain and, you know, basic ideas like overtraining is a thing that exists. Um, overtraining, if you, if you aren't familiar, is when you do too much exercise and you don't give your body enough time to recover. Uh, and that is both sort of on the short term, you know, week to week, day to day, but also on the long term, you know, month to month. So, um, in, in my studio curriculum, I have a deloading week every three weeks where we just do easier stuff uh, and everyone secretly gets a rest week whether they want it or not because part of my service as a fitness professional is that I provide periodization and structure for you so you don't have to figure it out on your own. Anyway, <laughs> um, so all of that's coming together um, and uh, at this point, um, you know, COVID hits, um, and, you know, again, years and years have passed at this point. Uh, so COVID started, what, 2020, and I've been dancing since 2012, so it's eight years later. Um, and I started teaching online, and I started taking classes online. Um, and I should say, in the interim, I, I traveled a lot for my job, um, and I had taken pole classes at a lot of pole studios. Basically, every time I went somewhere for work, I also tried to take a pole class there, um, or multiple ones if I could. So I'd experienced a lot of different studios, a lot of different studio cultures, um, a lot of sort of training techniques, and really, Again, comparing it to the caliber of education and knowledge that I was getting in, in aerial training, I just wasn't seeing that in the pole world. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that it completely doesn't exist, uh, but it is a little bit rarer, to put it that way, than it is in the aerial world. And again, there are folks in the aerial world who don't have that caliber of knowledge and, um, and understanding, and that's, um, you know, its own issue. But I was having a really hard time finding that sort of instruction in pole. And, you know, as I was a teacher, I was trying to figure it out for myself. I was trying to make sure that my students were getting, you know, um, modifications, right? So baking, baking, <laughs> breaking moves down into their component parts and being like, okay, um, how can I have someone who is struggling with say a strength or flexibility component of this movement up the pole? How can I have them do something similar that is still going to be beneficial for them off the pole? Um, anyway, all through this time, I'm um, I'm reading, I'm learning more about anatomy, biomechanics. I'm a nerd. <laughs> I don't know if you picked that up quite yet. Um, but yeah, so I, I was reading research papers. I was yeah reading textbooks. Um, and I still am, right? It's something that I take continuing education very seriously, which you can tell because I was in school for 20 years straight. Um, <laughs> but I think as a fitness professional, it's really important. Um, so in COVID, teaching online, taking classes online from, you know, so many different places, so many different schools um, and, and instructors um, and just being like, yeah, a lot of this is missing. There's this hole where we as a discipline need to be drawing in, you know, these things that other people already know that could 
A, prevent injury. B, help students progress faster. Um, C, help students feel better about themselves, right? I was the, the student who could do literally nothing we taught in class. And like looking back on myself as a beginner with teacher eyes, there was so much that could have been done for me. There was so much support that I could have gotten and other movement pathways and other modifications that would have made me feel successful and would have helped me have a much better experience and not just sort of like grit my teeth and push through, which that's kind of the, the phase that I was in in my life at that point, right? I was very much in my grit my teeth and push through phase. That's what everything felt like. So it wasn't weird to me that pole was exactly the same. Um, but I'm saying to you now, as someone who is you know older and wiser, that's a weird thing for your hobby. Your your fun activity that you do to, to de-stress and have fun and enjoy yourself shouldn't feel like uh, pushing boulders up a mountain, right? You should feel better. <laughs> every, well, maybe not every time, but most of the time it should make you feel better. That's why my, my sort of pole tagline, pole studio tagline is pole should make you feel better because it should. I can't promise to make you feel good. I mean, it hurts, um, but it should make you feel better, right? It should be improving your life in some way. Otherwise, why are you spending your leisure time and you know money doing this? Uh, let me pull my thoughts together again because I've gone down a little a little rabbit hole here. Um, online teaching, taking stuff, uh, and then I moved. So I moved away from Seattle, is where I am was before. Um, I think some of you probably danced with me in Seattle. Who are listening? Hey, uh, and I moved back home to Virginia, and um, you know the same thing. So I'm not uh, I'm not training in person. Um, there's no pole studios near me that take the the COVID precautions I'd need to to be able to train there. So I have um, an immunosuppressed family member. So I am I, more than. <sighs> Sorry, my dog can open doors, and he just did it. <laughs> yeah, you're so smart. Um, anyway. So I have an immunosuppressed family member and, you know, no studios near me are taking enough precautions that um, I can, you know, within my, my risk budget and allowance, take classes there. So I was still taking classes online, taking classes online, um, and I just wasn't finding what I needed, right? So I wasn't finding um, instructors who had that same belief that I did, right? So I'd, I'd take a class and an instructor would say something that was just wild <laughs> from an anatomy perspective. Um, and at this point I'd finished my, my personal training certification as well. So I was like, I, I know precisely why that's wrong at this point. Um, you know, or even if it's something that doesn't negatively affect my experience, if I see, for example, a student is like, I have a knee injury and then the exercises are all a bunch of squat variations and they're like, I'm in pain uh, and they aren't offered modifications. Like, even if I had a great time and like my fitness was good and improved in that situation, I'm not going to enjoy myself because I know that someone is needlessly suffering in the same class. And I'm also not going to jump in and be like, let me teach this class uh, when somebody signed up to take class with somebody else. But I can't enjoy myself, right? I can't relax. And uh, the other thing that I was really struggling to find was that 
um, but also a really dance-focused online space where I felt um, supported and safe and where I felt like it was really inclusive and um, that folks of different backgrounds from different walks of life could show up and have a good time uh, because I really like the, um, you know, the dance component. I really like freestyling. Uh, those of you who, who have danced with me before know that I am a big freestyler um, and it's it's one of the great joys of my life. Um, but I just wasn't finding a space online that, that combined the things that I needed, um, that, you know, there was a dance component, but also when technical instruction was given, it wasn't the quality that I'd need, right? Because I'm still, I'm a pole student. I'm definitely like still working on my own skills. I certainly don't know everything. Um, and just sort of like looking around at the movement vocabulary that exists in the space, I'm never going to learn everything. Um, and I would say that that is true of pretty much everyone. There's, there's so much that you could do on the pole that there's no way that everyone could know everything. Um, so I, continuing education is important, being a student is important, but I just wasn't able to find the space that I really needed. Um, and at the same time, uh, <laughs> my, my day job was, um, exploding, let's put it that way. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I care deeply about pole. I care deeply about teaching. I have, you know, pretty exacting standards of what I want and it just doesn't exist online. And I know because I was looking and looking and looking and looking as a student and just not finding it. Um, and it was um, really, really frustrating for me and I'm sure frustrating for other folks as well. Um, particularly those of you who have, you know, a background in exercise science or anatomy or medicine or anything like that. Um, it's, you know, once you know that people know these things and that it should affect the way that you're teaching pole, uh, if you see people not, not doing that, it, uh, it can be a little bit frustrating. And it's not my job to tell everyone to teach pole, you know, specifically the way that I want them to teach pole. Um, and I also think it would be bad if they did that, right? Variety is fantastic. Um, but it's just, that's what I'm looking for, an instructor, and that's what I need. Um, so I started a studio. <laughs> um, and that's where we are now. Uh, so at this point, I've been doing pole for 11 years. Um, and I've been teaching for five or six years at this point, um, much of that online. Um, and yeah, I've got my own studio because I really wanted a place where I could find that freestyle movement being supported, um, where there was a big focus on evidence-based methods, you know, continuing education, exercise science, dance science, um, you know, motor learning, anatomy, biomechanics, um, not really kinesiology. I actually don't know that there have been any kinesiology studies of pole. Um, if anyone knows of any, please, uh, please hit me up. I'd love to, uh, love to read that. Uh, yeah. So that's where, that's where I am now. And that's why I started the studio. Um, and the podcast I've started because I think for folks that haven't been exposed to, you know, um, this way of understanding movement and uh, haven't had a research background um, and don't really have much uh, much scientific training, um, A, you may not know that it exists at all, in which case, howdy, welcome. Uh, I hope that you will learn a lot and that it will improve your life significantly. Um, and B, even if you do know that it is, uh, sometimes it can be really intimidating. And who do you talk to? And part of being evidence-based is having the ability to evaluate the quality of evidence. Um, and to some degree, like I can definitely look at a paper and be like, ah, it is uh, fake. 
right? There's a lot of fake science out there. Um, I, but maybe I'll do a podcast episode on that a little bit later, like what to look for if you're like, is this a real journal article? Because a lot of them aren't, right? Even if they're on Google Scholar or get indexed in, uh, in research, uh, you know, indexes. Even though I have that level of discernment, I can't necessarily, I don't have, you know, a graduate degree in, um, you know, dietetics, for example. So good to bring in a dietitian. Um, I don't have, you know, a lot of different movement certifications, right? I've um, really only trained as a personal trainer. I've trained as an aerial instructor briefly, um, and then I have a lot of training in uh, pole instruction, uh, but also I've done a lot of sort of learning and figuring out uh, on my own as a pole instructor. So those are my areas. Uh, and how do I, you know, how can I bring in other knowledge? Because I, like I said, I don't know everything. Uh, it would be ludicrous to claim that I could know everything. Uh, and I want us all to learn and grow together. So, well, that's my story. That's why I got started in poll. That's why I got to where I am now. Um, and uh, that's why I started the studio and why I think evidence-based methods are so important. Uh, and I know I was just sort of talking about it as its own thing and not really diving deeper into what it means to be evidence-based and like specific examples. Um, but, you know, I think we've we've had some episodes so far. So um, talking, you know, with Tanya about dietitian stuff, um, being a dietitian stuff, nutrition for pole, uh, talking with Lauren about different movement modalities and exercise science and, um, you know, Pilates and bringing all that, that knowledge to bear. Um, and then also talking last week with Eve about, uh, you know, trauma-informed and what does that mean and uh, psychotherapy and how that can come to, to bear on what it is that we, we do in the Pulse Studio. Um, yeah, and like I said, I've got some guests lined up that I'm really, really excited for, about, by. <laughs> It'll be a good time. Uh, again, drawing on different disciplines, really building our body of knowledge together uh, and learning. So, well, that's my story. That's why I started the Poll Studio. Uh, if you want to come play classes with me, I teach online. Uh, so you could definitely do that. Um, some of them you need to pull for, some of them you don't. Uh, yeah. So have a great week and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me today, Pole Dancer. This podcast is a production of Slink Through Strength, the inclusive evidence-based online pole studio. So if you're looking for a place to train, either off pole, conditioning and flexibility, or learning pole tricks and refining your pole movement, uh, you can find us online at slinkthroughstrength.com.